0: spent all this time being fearful of what if it's successful? What does that mean in terms of what do we need on infrastructure? What do we need on all these other things? And all that time was spent. And and at the end of the day, when we actually decided to start doing it, we actually knew very little more, had very
1: little additional things built out. Welcome to Open, Honest, and Direct, a podcast sharing stories from powerful leaders on what it takes to unlock your team's potential and all their screw-ups along the way. Each episode will take a behind the scenes look at how to build a high performing team from the leaders who built them. Today, we're lucky to have Jason Vandeboom, the founder and CEO of Active Campaign. So, Jason, you started Active Campaign in 2003, some 16 years ago. And today, you're now cranes 40 under 40. You have $60 million in annual recurring revenue. You have over 70,000 clients. You've had 700% growth in the last three years. And- 400 plus employees across locations all over the globe. How the heck did that happen?
0: It was a a little bit of a slow burn to start, I guess I'd say, as we really kind of figured things out. But starting off as a company, we started with on-premise software, so totally different than what we do today, but also very similar in the way of it's always been this goal of just helping small businesses be more efficient, uh, helping them save time, helping them do more, helping them create customer experiences that are better. So that's obviously evolved quite a bit. Um, over the last decade and a half. But that theme remains very much the same.
1: You said slow burn. So I'm assuming it wasn't continuous. It wasn't like a smashing success 16 years ago.
0: I mean, from 2003, it was just myself. Uh, Fast forward a decade, we're up to eight people. So yeah, not something you would like look and read about and be like, oh, wow, that's a giant success. At the same time, a really sustainable business growing. There's so many businesses in that scale in that size that are doing amazing things. And I think that's important to highlight because those are the businesses that actually deserve a little more credit, I think overall. But yeah, it was definitely not a fast growth from the start.
1: So what made the monumental leap from a decade, 10 years of eight employees to the next six years going from eight to 400 plus?
0: You know, as we approach a decade in, um, we're, we're seeing success and whatnot, but we started identifying this opportunity. We're also been really, really close to customer pain point, what people are thinking at, at a very uh, granular level. So we had this understanding there was a lot of friction with installing on-premise software. So we knew that switching to a model where someone could just sign up, online software as a service, which is all the norm now, made a lot of sense. So we started making that move. I would say we knew that many years prior. We spent all this time second-guessing ourselves. We spent all this time being fearful of what if it's successful? What does that mean in terms of what do we need on infrastructure? What do we need on all these other things? Mm. And all that time was spent. and, And at the end of the day, when we actually decided to start doing it, we actually knew very little more, had very little additional things built out from the first sort of instinct we had. And I think that's a important thing. I think all too often people think that someone else must know more than themselves or someone else knows something more about their own business or about that market. So people look at competitors, people just second guess, they're fearful of success or fearful of failure. And it causes you to just delay and not take action. When in reality, like we should have from the very get go, just sampled it, found a small way. To see, you know, just take the on-prem and like if someone requests a software as a service, just like literally install it somewhere for them. And we would have been able to see like what that does.
1: Hmm. And so it was the, the fear of kind of the unknown, the uncertainty that held you back a couple of years from ultimately the product that grew you to where you are and where you continue to go today.
0: Huh. Yeah, I wish I could say like this has been solved and now we're like not fearful of things or fearful of things taking off. But with so many things, especially as you grow, it's still always there. You obviously don't want to go like into true chaos mode or anything like that. But when you start overthinking, like if something is going to be a success, I mean, overthinking the details of what you should do when you're not even like there yet, or you haven't even started executing on it,
1: it's a little too early to be doing that. But mentally, everyone will want to do that, right? Yeah, you project into the how is this going to work? What's this going to change about the way we work, as opposed to just sitting in the uncertainty and testing it out? Exactly. So what's changed about you as a leader from 2013 to today? Everything
0: has changed, I guess I'd say in the way (laughs) I feel like I've always really knew and, and always tried to surround myself with people that are more intelligent than myself. So that's something that hasn't changed, but you have to actually stay true to realizing that you can't do much of anything when it comes to actual execution anymore, right? And so it's this constant building the team. So it's amplifying what I had before of trying to surround myself with people that are more intelligent. How do I do that now, but then try to create that a culture within all the different pieces of the company?
1: So it sounds like you you went from like being one of the performers on the team to having to actually solely focus on leading the team what did that affect in your day-to-day
0: early on i'd be building product even you know that's always been a passion of mine while a lot of companies say their product first we actually are because of that just being so important to myself interesting thing i'd say that's been harder for me is mm-hmm. as you grow obviously and as you add a lot of people quickly getting everyone to sort of understand vision and whatnot is something i was able to take for granted a little bit earlier on. Meaning if you're all in the same room or if you're all just like working together, building it together and whatnot, it's very easy to keep everything in in sync, right? And then take advantage of the fact that you are surrounding yourself with more intelligent people. So not necessarily just taking this vision and saying like, this is the vision, this is how it's going to be done. But like, how do you actually get from all different areas of the company to push on that and, and to hopefully make that even something better than what like one person could come up with?
1: It's a question that I have then, how do you go about doing that? What are the actions that you take to make sure your global team with different time zones, different holidays, cultural norms are on the same page and humming in the right direction?
0: I'd first off say like, we're not perfect at it by any means. So like, this is probably something that's close to myself right now of just like, it's always top of mind of what can we do better there. So it's treating marketing, it's treating, you know, a lot of people think of like culture being a product, a team being product and whatnot. But working on that and working on this idea of not only how do you get that vision across so everyone can kind of understand that and, and clearly articulate, but then how do you get people to be able to push on that? And that's harder as you grow more and more because people will bring up ideas, but if they don't see the looping closer, if they don't get feedback on them or if they don't see anything action taken, that'll stop pretty quickly. So what we like to do is, you know, we, we try to bring some sort of a product mindset throughout the company into all the different teams. I like to treat internal feedback and whatnot, both like what can we do internally, but also product wise. So like when we feel pain in certain teams, if it's customer facing or whatnot, like what can we do to solve for that and build out product teams that are actually working to make people more efficient internally. Um, or in the, like the past like six months or so, almost more effective than external marketing in a strange way it sounds odd to say but
1: yeah how is that um, possible how is that more effective for your business
0: because we scaled so quickly we didn't have a lot of what we needed in place but then also if you take the power of like if there's that understanding everyone becomes more effective at what they're doing and then if you can somehow bring all that back um, and so like we have people in all different areas of focus with different backgrounds, different experiences and things like that. If we can have people understand the problem we're looking to solve, have thoughts and, and opinions on on either their area or, or just in general, what could be done and to bring that back like that's, you know, that's a perspective that's arguably more useful than one individual client giving feedback because mm. they're seeing it across you know, thousands of different small businesses, if it's a customer facing person, or from an engineering standpoint, they're seeing something that's impacting more than one at a time. So to bring that in, it's almost like this engine that can help push on strategy a little bit of where we're going directionally. And then what can we do in these like smaller iteration, these smaller things, whether it be on the platform itself, or with like, internal things that can be done uh, to either make ourselves more effective or our customers
1: you're spending a lot of time just bringing clarity to your people in different ways and making sure that's heard. And then the second measure is after the clarity is delivered, it's you're listening to them to say what's working, what's not working, what do we need to change, whether that's internal or external. So it's not just that you're like providing the clarity, but that you're open to actually hearing what we need to do different. And that's giving you a whole new view on, it sounds like, the way your business runs. I
0: think the thing is, I know other people that have tried doing similar things and whatnot, and it, it, it's hard. Like, And going back to like, we are not perfect at this at all. But by having that focus on that, you can at least start to start to build something around that concept, right? You could sit around and probably overthink this entire thing um, like we did for a little while, thinking through how could we do this? What would the plan be on like, communicating this type of thing or versus that type of thing? Just starting something, Having that focus, having that authentic care, meaning you're going to actually continue with it and find a better and better version of whatever you're trying to do, that you just need to get started sooner than later.
1: How do you make sure your team, especially a team that maybe doesn't see you personally um, and has to hear it from other people or through other forms of communication, know you really mean it and you're not just saying the words? Like
0: uh, the only way you can do that is authentically actually living to it, right? Like creating paths for that to actually occur and creating over communication in a way because the other reverse side of this is like i've seen companies where they do really well on taking all this and not necessarily on sort of the marketing and the communication side of things internally so they're they're doing the right thing arguably not necessarily getting the credit if you will for it. it it's the equivalent of like if you have 100 customers wanting something and then you don't tell anyone about it you sort of lose some value there There's no shortcuts to it in the way of, it's just gonna be constant communication of things, constant pushing on this idea. But then once again, thinking about it like a product and thinking about it of like, how can we make that slightly better time and time again? Even if you're starting from something that is not awesome to start with, but just like keep trying to get it closer to something that you actually like.
1: I love that. and if I think of like the steps that you shared, right? It's clarity. On where we're going what we're doing what we're about it's give us feedback so we can get a little bit better every time and then not only take like take action on that feedback is the third thing I heard right you people do what you do not what you say so you could say we care but if you don't show you care it doesn't matter and then I think what you said is something that you're right companies miss all the time is when you take action let people know that you heard them and you took that action yep that's so simple. I mean, it's one of those things that like any yeah. leader can do with anything. It's like, hey, we need to make this process better. And then you change it, but you let the person know, like, thank you for the feedback. It helped us change that process. Yeah, it's, yeah.
0: it's so simple. Um, super hard, though, even to do at a low level, just because of competing, all sorts of things. So you have to buy into that idea that will actually be valuable.
1: How do you make sure that is a priority?
0: I think if you relate it to revenue, which sounds wrong, but if you relate it to revenue in the way of it would cost a lot more to grow without treating this as a priority, it's easier for people to think about it as a priority. And I say it sounds wrong because it shouldn't necessarily be about that because we're talking about people and whatnot and to enable people, it should be about something more. But that makes it a little bit more clear and is honestly the truth, right? Like it should be impacting revenue when done right because people are more effective, people are more engaged, uh, people are more aligned.
1: Yeah. I talk about it all the time. You could do these things because it's the right thing to do for your people. You could also do it because it's the best business outcome you can get.
0: I mean, it's uh, from, from a purely economic standpoint, you should go with the right choice then.
1: What's one of your best bets? that you've used that you found has really worked well to connect these different dispersed team members? Yeah,
0: I think the biggest thing is not thinking about international and not thinking about like different offices what and whatnot as purely like a, you're just trying to get additional revenue or something like that. Meaning you have to authentically have like the idea of localization, the idea of having an international distributed workforce, if you will, um, be part of your DNA. So like when we do any sort of new product, any sort of new functionality, we're always thinking about how does that localize, right? And that sounds like it's just, you know, dealing with that from the technical side. But when you think through that perspective, and then you start thinking about when you highlight customer stories, give customer stories from different locales, you start mm-hmm. thinking about the impact you're having all over the place, you think about the different challenges that those different types of clients have, even if they're in a similar vertical or something like that, uh, given a different culture, a different language, whatever it may be, All that relates back to when you have that understanding at the client level, you can take some of that. And I think some of that is just like almost a freebie when you start thinking about um, other offices, other team members that are farther away, especially. Our first office was perhaps the most difficult being in Sydney, Australia, which is basically opposite time zone. You don't really have much overlap. Everyone just has to treat it as it's probably not perfect wherever it's at in terms of how everything is being done. So just find small pieces and ways to make it better. Um, with most places, we plant the office with a couple people that have been uh, in Chicago for a while or with a broader team, which helps to a certain degree. Uh, and then with every new hire, from regardless of where they are, they spend uh, they spend some time in Chicago uh, for onboarding. And then we try to get people back in from time to time as well. So you create this like, Every every office is a little bit different, but, like, you get that, you know, some level of continuity.
1: And it also seems like an exciting opportunity if I'm here in Chicago to go to Australia to to meet people. That's, like, a, a side perk, but I'm yeah. doing something cultural, too, which is meeting yep. – my different coworkers that I work with in different ways. Yeah. And, yeah. That, and
0: the thing I like about it is it's like, I don't want to have 500 offices around, like that sounds like a nightmare logistically, but it really highlights the power of the impact you can have for us at small businesses, but like the impact and, and the differences of small businesses, but also the similar challenges they face uh, throughout the world and what we can do to solve that. And that's an exciting problem to work on.
1: What, what was your biggest fuck up along the way?
0: It's, it's a combination of things, really. It all has to do with uh, on-premise software staying with that for too long. For a while there, we started getting attracted by larger and larger deals, meaning uh, it was making up a decent portion of our revenue. And take that in combination with like 2008, stuff like that. It just created a situation where for a period of time, I didn't think active campaign would any longer. Luckily we're able to get through that. But I think that's what kept us true to this. Now we're very focused on like no single customer more than like half a percent of our revenue like like making sure that, you know, we remain with this international focus. So we're distributed all over the place. It almost like we created like a culture out of, uh, that's distributed based on paranoia of anything going wrong. Um, it's like diversifying
1: creates... your portfolio. Exactly,
0: like to an extreme degree. And any way we can, like vertical lists, like there's no vertical that makes up more than 15% of our customers. Huh. So, but also like you take all that away, take the risk mitigation away. When we started focusing on larger customers and whatnot, I just had less fun. Some people probably have fun doing that, would really enjoy the challenge and whatnot. But personally, I didn't. And so during that time period, I wasn't as much, right? And when you start going down that road, everything you do is going to be less than ideal compared to if you were actually enjoying and being passionate about the work. And I think sometimes, you know, maybe growth, and in our case, we we're looking for, you know, more money out of these deals, um, can cloud happiness or, or ha- enjoying the process. Um, and I would say that's probably arguably more important if you want to create innovation, if you want to build a, a really amazing company, even if it means that you're not growing as quickly, but following that, which sounds like really, really basic advice, but like it's also really hard to do, you know, if you're trying to survive as, as you build a business.
1: Yeah, you're, you're literally the third person today that said that. They said, biggest thing that I take away is being true to myself and being true to ourselves as who yeah. we are and what feels right. And it does seem simple and it seems like really that's what it is, but sounds like it's, it's very, very important to make yeah. sure that you're operating the business in the best way.
0: And everything is set up like external pressure, like if you're trying to get news, anything like that is all set up in a way that will directly try to impact that most likely um, so it's uh, yeah it's it's a, such a there, there's so many simple simple things but they are what they are
1: what are you most proud of with your work it's a good question
0: uh, that's a toss-up between what we've been able to impact in terms of small businesses Throughout the world, like the, those stories, stories I love the most are like the, the the businesses that are not like businesses people have ever heard of. I and mean, the impact we can have on those small business owners' lives and like it's it's actually real, it, it's, it's amazing. The other aspect is by being able to grow in Chicago and, and be able to grow the team as we've been able to grow it, the amount of learnings, the amount of like innovation that people have had from that and building a culture where we've had a lot of growth yet you know, constant theme people describe our culture as is like a very like humble culture. And that's probably, you know, in part why fewer people were not as well known of a brand and whatnot, but it's, uh, it's just unique and it's authentic. I'm just really proud that we're able to maintain that theme as we've been scaling so much.
1: This has been really awesome. A really just valuable conversation and way to think about your business and your people as a product, not in the way of optimizing them in a, monetary way, but really as a way to think about how you can do better for them, how you can continue to evolve and develop that culture. And I think that's a really big takeaway from today. So thank you so much, Jason, for coming on. Thanks for sharing your time and your stories and, and keep doing the awesome work you're doing.
0: Thanks. Appreciate
1: having me. Want to hear more great stories like this one from Jason? Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. And you can always drop us a note at openhonestanddirect.com. Cheers and have a great day.